Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. Today, we're going to be exploring the topic of competitive and market intelligence and how it can give organizations a growth edge. I'm thrilled to be joined by Andy Reid, Global Lead for Competitive and Market Intelligence at Epicor. And for today's episode, um, we're, we're going to have a guest host in our own resident expert, Diane Borska, SVP of Research and Market Insights. Welcome. Um, Andy, it'd be great for you to kick us off with a bit of an introduction into who you are uh, and a, a bit about the role uh, that you do at Epicor. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for, for the invitation. So uh, at Epicor, I look after global competitive and market intelligence as part of the product marketing organization. Uh, Epicor is an organization that focuses on uh, any business really in the make, move, sell industry. We provide ERP software. We're a global business. We're around a billion dollars. And um, as I say, you know, uh, within the team, my role is to ensure that across the business, uh, we've got all of the insights that we need for uh, strategy and to to ensure that our decision making is as data driven as it possibly can be. I'm so excited to speak with you, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us today. The first thing that I wanted to explore with you is a little bit about the role of product marketing and the fact that competitive intelligence kind of resides with you as the head of product marketing. That's not the most common organizational structure that we've seen. And I'd just like to explore the evolution of that. How did that come to pass? And how did you get tasked with responsibility for competitive and market intelligence? Sure. Yes. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, within any organization, product marketing could fit you know, heavily towards the product side or heavily towards the marketing side. And in fact, it's transitioned over time. So two years ago, when I joined Epicor, we had just come out of the product management organization and into marketing. And we wanted to make sure that we were delivering uh, product marketing support, but making sure we were thinking about the customer. Uh, So we're putting ourselves closer to the customer in that movement. So within the business right now, product marketing is responsible for the message. You know, we are the voice of the product into the customer, but also the voice of the customer back into the product and marketing and sales organizations. So we very much sit between uh, the kind of the the products and the go-to-market organizations. How did competitive intelligence end up with with me? So I, I look after the international half of product marketing at Epicor. And originally, truthfully, it was a geographical thing. So uh, one of my predecessors wanted some competitive intelligence support. And we looked around and we found an individual uh, in India, uh, in the Bangalore office, and we brought that person on. So it made sense that that person reported into the international side of of the product marketing team. Uh, but then, you know, as um, as kind of things progressed and I joined, we've, we've grown the team now and we're very much now a, a global function providing support across the business. That's really very interesting. One of the things that you said that really struck me was this idea of the two-way interchange that you're the voice of the customer to uh, on behalf of the product and then it's the voice of the customer back to the product so that you can integrate and, and always bring both perspectives so 
that brings me to an issue that I think a lot of competitive intelligence organizations grapple with, which is how you translate the data that you collect, the information that you collect from the customer about the competitive environment into your go-to-market. So can you talk to us a little bit, maybe illustrate with a story of how that takes place at Epicor? Sure. Um, I think, you know, generally that that's one of the wonderful things about the product marketing role, of course, is that you've got the the science, the research, the pragmatic perspective on the market and the CMI team, the competitive and market intelligence team is core to that. But then you've got the creative storytelling piece as well that, you know, eventually once you think about the positioning and your your messaging, that's where the creativity comes in. So, but, it, but in terms of kind of gathering those insights and how we we deliver that through the business, you know, the, um, as I say, the, the competitive and market intelligence team is a pragmatic function. You know, we are looking very much at what the state of play is now. So um, we have many sources where we'll look for data, we'll look for insights, we'll look for trends. And that may come from analysts, that may come from just different database businesses, but it could also come from primary research or secondary research that we'll carry out. Now, the important thing is then communicating those insights. So for example, um, you know, how do we feed those back? So we do have regular readouts with the product management team for you know very specific things so they may say look we want you to go and look at i don't know hairdressing supplies market in distribution for example i'm sure there was a better example of there but couldn't think of any off the top of my head maybe golfing supplies so you know well they'll look at that we'll we'll put together we'll do the research and then we'll do a readout with the relevant people but that's kind of an ad hoc scenario but then we'll also uh, deliver on a more regular basis insights aligned to our core markets to the rhythm of the business. And so um, that's interesting because to me, you know, one of the the real powers of competitive and market intelligence is that it can help put an organization in a more proactive stance rather than a reactive stance. And so, you know, you'd be actually advising perhaps product and marketing on market behavior that is likely to occur so that there's an opportunity to craft some sort of response to that before it actually happens. And then you have to kind of scurry around and, and react, you know, with, with, without much time and without much resource. So, so that's one way that I'm familiar with that a competitive intelligence organization can deliver value to an organization, it's a little bit difficult to measure, except anecdotally. And so I, I am wondering how you feel that your competitive and market intelligence function is delivering value to the business, and maybe some ways that it that it's actually measured. Again, you know, like like you say, thinking ahead. Well, that's one of the great things, right? We've got the space to think ahead and think about those trends. So, you know, we do get the opportunity to look at things like, well, what is the EV market likely to do to the global manufacturing economy? Because it's not just the EV market. You know, there's now going to be a surge in battery manufacturers. There's going to be a decline in other areas related to the combustion engine. And we can think really deeply around that. So, for example, you know, if you look at um, automotive supplies, Southeast Asia has got a very large growing base in electrical wiring. Now, electrical wiring sounds like a very niche market, but it's directly related to the growth in EV. 
So we get the chance and we get the time to sort of think about that and, and sort of influence strategy in that way. But like you say, you know, if we want to continue funding and continue growing the program, we need to show some metrics as well. I think just just a moment to talk about some of the individuals involved in competitive and marketing research, because, you know, many of my team are analysts. They think very long term. They like to do their research. You know, they're not sales and marketing people. They're not driven by metrics. They're not driven by revenue or marketing qualified leads. So we have to find our own metrics and link the work that we're doing back to the business goals. So one of the ways that we do that is win-loss analysis. So we will continue to uh, to track what's going on with, with um, the competitors. Think about the news that they're publishing. Think about the number of deals we find them in. Think about how often we win against them. And, you know, we, we have a whole program of win-loss that we're very proud of, actually, where we, we track not only the quantitative metrics globally, quantitative metrics globally uh, around win-loss, but then also the reason for those and the changes. So we'll look at the qualitative aspects of win-loss as well. I really like win-loss as a, a framework because uh, in my experience, I found that, um, you know, despite best efforts, um, you know, folks don't always understand, you know, why did we win when we win and why did we lose when we lose? They don't have the opportunity to see, you know, recurring themes or patterns um, so that they can avoid the situations and circumstances that create a loss. And by the same token, you know, really leverage the things that create a win. So it's really interesting um, that you that you have employed that as a practice, and that's a way to to demonstrate effectiveness. I was once told, but it, it was um, slightly tongue in cheek. But you know, I was once told um, in a, in a product marketing education session, if you speak to sales and you ask why we lost a deal, then a salesman will always tell you one of two things: product wasn't good enough, pricing was poor. Yeah? So either we were too expensive or the product wasn't good enough. But you know, in truth. Um, and and the same the same it's the same for wins by the way wins are worse you know you'll say why did we win that deal and the answer inevitably comes back is because we got on really well you know that doesn't tell you anything about really why you won the deal so what we find is it needs to be a third party and that can be one of the product marketing team we actually use an agency who who makes the calls for us and go through a script you know, in, not in a sort of word for word basis, but they'll work through a set of points and we can learn really, really deeply direct from the customer's or the prospect's mouth, if it didn't go our way, why we won or lost the deal. And we find it's a whole host of things. It might be pricing, but it might be the relationship with the salesperson. It might be the way that we demonstrated value. It might be an executive um, relationship that was totally beyond our control. It might be something we just didn't see coming and had no clue about in the process. But in having the program, we can make the calls, we can aggregate the data, we can see the patterns, and it also helps us to deal with our positioning, but then also look for what the strongest pairings are or teams are within our business. So if we know we're up against Oracle or we're up against SAP, we can look to see where we've won most against that organization before and we'll put our best team in indeed that's that's you know that's precisely the power of win-loss and that that's really wonderful i mean i've even seen circumstances where a company has gone in thinking that a particular 
relationship that they had or a partner that they had was a strength and a reason for winning deals. And then when they went in and did this kind of deep analysis, they found out quite the contrary. It was in fact a disadvantage and it was off-putting to clients for, you know, various and sundry reasons. So it's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to ask both of you, um, what's, have there been any surprises that you've seen in you know, win-loss analysis of you know, what's the most left-field reason for winning or losing that, that, that you've seen through your research? I think the, the interesting one's always where you don't realise that there was an existing relationship somewhere and at no point in the sales cycle did that get picked up. You know, um, but the what the ones I love to see are the ones where they really do highlight the strength of what of um, not only the product, but the understanding and the relationship. So the ones I love to read or hear about, and by the way, they're all recorded. We listen back to all, all of the uh, the interviews again. Um, but where, you know, the prospect says they, they just got me. They just understood the business really, really well. And I don't know if it's a surprise to hear that, but it's always nice. And it's a real validation that. You know, that the enablement that we do and the time that we put into uh, in, into the deep industry knowledge, because that's a that's a, a focus area for Epicor to make sure all of our team have deep industry knowledge uh, that, that that's actually paying off. Yeah, that's I think that's definitely a thread we see in all of our work that actually being able to articulate the value proposition is, is a big catalyst for, for whether you're successful in, in sales cycles. So um, I'd like to maybe shift gears just a little bit and um, ask you to talk with us a bit about how your how you've organized the practice of competitive and market intelligence how that's kind of grown over time and matured uh because that's um that's a struggle that a lot of organizations have uh to to bring this kind of discipline into their company uh both as a team and then as the company actually being able to deal with, respond to um, the intelligence that the team produces. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that evolution. Sure, sure. So so I think, as I mentioned, you know, in, initially it was a team of one and then a team of two, but, you know, we've grown it since then. And as I arrived, the team was still, was still quite transactional. You know, the the model was, well, if you email this, this address with your question, then the team will do some research and send you a presentation back. You know, it was, I mean, it was a little bit more in depth than, than that. It, that was doing the team a disservice, but broadly it was a transactional model as needed. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to move it to be far more programmatic and think about the rhythm of the business. So there are some key milestones throughout the organization where insights are needed. So the first thing that we found was people are constantly asking for market sizing. Always, always market sizing questions. And they, they're always slightly different. So we took uh, some, some market sizing data. Rather than having it as a spreadsheet, we created some dashboards with filters and we made that available to the whole organization. So anyone can come into the competitive market intelligence portal. They can go to the market sizing dashboards and they can look at what the size of the manufacturing industry is in Germany. They can look at what the size of the wholesale distribution is for golfing products, shall we say, in North America. You know, and they can look at those slithers and get the market size. So we wanted to make it easy for people to access information. And then what we did, we thought about what the key milestones were in the business. So, you know, once a year, we'll do a full product management review of all of the roadmaps. So two to three weeks before that activity happens, we provide industry reports 
on manufacturing, one on distribution, one on retail, make, move, sell. And they are in-depth reports. So it covers all of the trends, all of the analysts' comments on what's going on at the moment, the sizing, the segmentation of the customer base, where we win, where we lose, our competitors. So all of the great knowledge that we've been building up over the year, we create that summary set of information. It's about 40 slides. And we issue that just ahead of product marketing, so product management roadmap review. Around six months later, we do all of the financial planning for the next financial year. So we do a refresh and we issue the whole lot again, but with a real focus on the numbers this time. So where have we done well? Where have we not done so well? Where are our products growing? Where are our competitors growing? Where are they declining? Where's the opportunity? So thinking about the rhythm of the business. So you, you go from a situation of, of, can I have, there you go, to an always on scenario, you know, in, a, in an ABM um, kind of situation, making our information available so that when we get our customers within the business, our stakeholders, when they need information and they put their hand up, there's a place that they can go and self-serve to get the, in, in, the intelligence that they need to be able to, uh, to solve their problems. Uh, so the sense I have then is that even though you're producing these two snapshots at, you know, sort of critical points in the business rhythm, as you described it, um, there's an ongoing effort to maintain that knowledge and understanding of the competitive environment, whether it's competitors or key customers or key segments, um, so that when it comes time to update those reports, you, you can do so in a, in a very efficient way. Yeah, so there's, there's kind of, there's four areas. So you asked about the sort of makeup of the team as well. So unfortunately, we don't have enough people right now, although I hope we to change that to sort of have one person per per area. But, you know, we focus on market intelligence, competitive intelligence, strategic research, and then the communication of insights. So the market intelligence is all of the sizing and the trends data. It's, it's the data type stuff. The competitive work, as I say, it's the win-loss, but it's the battle card creation as well so you know we have these key points but all of that research that we're doing in um around market and competitors we do it through the year and we publish it constantly to our portal so it's always accessible right right, straight away we also do the strategic research and that will come when we're looking at possible mergers and acquisition type activity or it might be uh, an adjacent market that we're looking at so you know we do well in automotive manufacture what about specialist vehicles for example so you know not vans what about fire engines or, or the like so you know we'll do that strategic research as well and the fourth piece is communication of insights so I've actually set that out as a separate piece a separate pillar within the team so that we're not just thinking about research and you know, research and um, and kind of storing the data. I've made it clear that it's really important that we set, we we push this information out and communicate those insights to the business to ensure that they're used. So, so that's the the kind of the structure. But you're absolutely right. It's a balance between uh, thinking about the rhythm and issuing at the right point, but always but also having the always on and always available information for those moments where. You know, the salesperson thinks, I've not come up against this competitor before. I need to go and grab something to find out about them quickly. That's such a good point. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you have to train the organization to use the intelligence that you're producing as much as you have to, you know, train your, your team to produce good intelligence. 
Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the challenge as well. By the way, you know, just getting getting people to come to the site. You know, but uh, you know, we took a field of dreams approach and we built it, and and people do come, um, and uh, and we have to continually promote. We also, by the way, do regular webinars and newsletters. So there's a newsletter every month. Uh, there's a webinar every two months where we will do just market updates, just to stay present and front of mind. Um, and we run it, as you can probably tell, like a market, you know, we, we have a marketing plan effectively to ensure we're communicating our value throughout the year as well. You mentioned the fact that the team is not staffed as robustly as you would like. Um, this is another issue that I see um, organizations struggle with, and they're, they're kind of um, struggle with the conundrum of, should I add to the team with someone who has, you know, intelligence experience, or is it better to add to the team with someone who has, you know, a deep knowledge of our industry, our product set, our organization and who's who and who does what. And I'm just wondering what your thought is, bring someone from the outside in who's got intelligence experience or bring someone who's really plugged in internally. So for me, the key with competitive and competitive and market intelligence is someone that just loves being in the detail, you know, really immersing themselves in that in that market, wanting to spend time in spreadsheets, wanting to spend time reading the analyst reports. And I think that's more important than necessarily knowing the manufacturing market right now, for example, um, with that, that comes and it comes quickly, uh, the more that they invest time i think but one thing we we are constantly aware of is not wasting the the value of those individuals because they're very strategic minds they are analysts what we don't want is for them to waste time on collection of data you know or or having to sift through data so we try to balance that with technology so we've invested in platforms to do the we, we go beyond google alerts and you know I, I think when you can bring that together you're you're not as I say you're not wasting the time having to go to the different sources bring it all together and then you, know, you, you can save days in in them being able to get directly to the insights and it also creates a platform for sharing the insight more quickly throughout the business so for me the key is that they have a love for research and that we don't waste the opportunity to give them the chance to enjoy what they're doing and share the knowledge that they've that they've had that's interesting. I mean, I think these platforms that really help um, automate and enable or bring efficiency to um, information collection from the secondary source realm can be very, very useful. And as you say, cut, you know, days of time out of an activity so that, you know, your talent can really focus on understanding what the implications are. You know, what is this mass of information really telling us about what's going on and then focus even more importantly on, you know, what does it mean to us and what should, you know, what, what should we potentially do about it? I've heard, you know, a lot of people in the competitive intelligence world say that, you know, some massive amount, you know, 80% of what you want to know about your competitors and the competitive environment already resides inside your organization. And really you ought to focus a lot of time and attention on collecting it from you know, those resources that you already have in the form of market facing individuals like salespeople, um, people, perhaps your engineers who work in various, you know, like industry consortiums or committees or what have you. Um, does the team spend time, you know, kind of 
making sure that they're able to leverage those kinds of insights that reside natively inside the company? Yes, we do. Um, I mean, this is the tribal knowledge, I guess, that, you know, that, as you say, that exists. And the danger is that that gets shared between individuals and not uh, with the broader team. So one of the things that we do when we do these regular webinars every couple of months, we always encourage the teams. And by the way, this goes more this goes more broadly than our direct sales team. We work with our partner organizations as well. We do webinars through our channel and help them understands the competition and the markets and you know we always say you need to feedback as well you know you need to share your insights and we will create that we will be that central hub for sharing with the rest of the teams and together we can create much better material for you when we have people join from from other organizations we will always invite them to an interview with with our team now, we will always do that respectfully. So we would never, you know, if people feel uncomfortable about doing that, that's totally fine. And we also recognize that, you know, there's professional you know, ethics involved here. And we would only look to to gain insights that are publicly available, should we say. So it's just making sure that we are, um, but we're, we're having that conversation and validating our own insights more than anything. So yes, we'll, we'll always work with the teams. We will understand uh, what we can uh, about what's gone on in in a particular deal, what what the market's telling us, and and have those internal conversations, but you know externally as well. So, the, I guess the only other thing I'll say is that you know as we continue to roll out the the competitive enablement platform, um, that there are tools there as well to encourage uh, mainly our sales team to drop information in to the platform themselves as they find it. So we're not just gathering from external sources. We've created a channel for capturing that that knowledge too. That's fantastic. That's often uh, something that I've seen competitive intelligence teams, you know, aspire to, uh, but not always able to implement uh, because it's both a, you know, a, a technical challenge as well as a cultural challenge. But it sounds like you've made great strides in that area. And I was particularly taken by the fact that you mentioned that you share your insights and analysis with partner organizations can you talk just a little bit more about that that's really interesting sure yeah so epicor uh, globally has um, a very a very large and um hopefully happy um, um business partner channel it's actually different we organize it differently in north america versus the international region uh, because of course in the international region we've got many more languages we've got you know very distributed um, sort of fragmented market versus the um, single language, sing single country sort of North America market. Um, but what we do is, you know, we'll work with those organizations. Uh, we, there is a partner program, but as part of the partner program, we have a, a fit for the future webinar series and um, different activities will, will occur on that webinar series. There's also annual events, but there's always a competitive intelligence track, you know, so every quarter or so we'll do a bit of an update on what we're seeing we'll, we'll take the opportunity to to gather information from them and i mean actually we our, our annual event is called momentum which is normally by coincidence um is normally a um an in-person event but this year we did it entirely uh, virtual but we streamed it from a studio in london so it was a live event streamed uh, in front of a virtual background and we spent a good half an hour talking about market and competitive insights during that live stream as part of the day so it the, the partner channel is really important to us and we want to make sure that they are as enabled 
um, to, to succeed as anyone within the business. I, I want to also ask you, you know, it seems that you're very progressive and forward looking about your competitive market intelligence function, done so many of these really interesting and progressive things. I'm wondering, you know, where do you see the function going in the future? Uh, there's been a lot written about how things like artificial intelligence or machine learning, uh, natural language processing kinds of uh, technologies could could be an enabler here. I'm not quite sure where I fall, you know, in thinking about that, but I'm I'm really curious about your view on sort of the direction that this function can take. Well, we I think one of the things is that you know our number one goal is to keep up with the business. I mean, the business is highly acquisitive, you know, so we are always bringing in new organisations, um, which will will typically be complementary products. So you know, we will be effectively we bring in new competitors every time we do one of those acquisitions. So what that does that expands the world in which that we need to monitor. So you're absolutely right. You know, with um, machine learning, we can improve our ability to filter out some of the alerts that we get. So we will track bigger and bigger markets and we need to start using the the machine learning mechanisms to. So, so the way that it works is that, you know, on our um, on our tracking platform, we'll get everything. And then we'll go through and we'll say, that's good. That's not. That's good. That's not. That might be useful. And then as we start to build up knowledge or the system starts to build up knowledge on the type of information we need, then what gets presented to to our analyst is far more focused. So I think we're doing a reasonable job. We're, we're looking to uh, roll out those insights on mobile devices. Um, we're looking to roll out the insights uh, directly in Salesforce so that as our sales team selects the competitor that they're up against, uh, they will immediately be presented with the battle card um, from within our enablement platform. Uh, so really, I think I kind of feel like our vision is solid. As long as we can keep up, what we need to do is execute better and be more streamlined in that delivery of information. That's that's probably a little bit sort of medium term rather than long term, but uh, that, that's what we're trying to do right now. That's fascinating and sounds very wise. You've you've given so much valuable insight to us and and to those who would be um, interested in either establishing or maturing a market and competitive insights um, activity. Maybe you could kind of offer sort of the top three, um, you know, pieces of advice that you would have for someone who's got a role similar to yours, who's tasked with bringing this kind of capability into the marketing organization? I mean, I guess, so the fir first of all, I know that I am uh, extremely lucky to have a competitive and market intelligence organization at all, right? So the fact that we have more than one person I know is unusual for many, many software organizations out there. Um, so we're very lucky and I, and I appreciate that. But, you know, of any size, I would say use the technologies available. Uh, you shouldn't need to be doing it on your own. You know, it shouldn't need to be Google searches. Um, and, and if you do find the mechanisms where you can maybe at the very least list the 10 sources that you would go to and, you know, ha have that on hand quickly to go and gather information quickly. Um, so I think, you know, sort of recognizing that we are we are very lucky, um, but do lean on the technology because there's some really good things out there now to 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 actually 
shortcut a lot of the work, really. Second thing I would say is that it is a people business. This probably sounds like a strange way of thinking about it. But, you know, I talked about it being very pragmatic, very uh, thinking about the state of the market. But the market are people. right? So these trends are happening to people. So we have to think about what the impact is on the consumer market, what consumer behaviors are changing, and then how that might impact our customers. You know, they might be, some organizations will be B2C organizations, some will be B2B, but these market changes affect individuals. So like any good marketer, have the customer at the heart of your thinking, and then try to consider how that impacts, you know, what you want to do as a business. And I guess the third thing I will say is that uh, from a competitive intelligence perspective, it's really key to support the rest of the product marketing organization or whoever it is in the business that has responsibility for it to think about the positioning. So it's not just about the message. You have to know what piece of the market you can genuinely own and, and have a winning position in. And the competitive intelligence is really, really good the win-loss analysis, particularly uh, uncovering what value, what slight, what value wedge you can drive between yourself and the competitor. So yeah, I think that would probably be my, my top three things to think about. Thank you so much, Andy. Really enjoyed hearing about how you've built your CMI practice, how you're adding value to the business. I'd love to close on um, what are you most proud of? You've been on quite the journey the last couple of years. What what's really stands out for you? So thank you for asking this. It's actually the second time I've been asked this today. Um, and I am most proud of the fact my team is happy. So um, I go to great lengths to make sure that, you know, we as a team have come together, we've stayed together, we have a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I mean, just to give you an, an idea, you know, we you might have seen the goats on Zoom uh, that you can have. We had a we had a goat uh, for our Christmas our Christmas party, but you know we go to great lengths it virtually. Of course, we're a distributed team. You know, half the teams in India, half the teams in the UK. We talk every day on Teams together. We chat like we're in a virtual room. And I think overall, I mean, the program is great. The insights we're delivering are great. But truthfully, as I say, it's about people. I'm really happy that my team is happy right now. So uh, that's probably my, my my greatest achievement, I guess. Fantastic. I did uh, did make a note when you said don't don't lose sight of these are all people that, that make up the market, make up your, your competitive landscape as well. And you know, clearly people are at the heart of, of your team as well. So really, really great to hear. Thank you also to our resident expert for, for guest hosting this episode, Diane. Really great to, to have you pick up, pick up the microphone and uh, look forward to, to, to joining you very soon. Thanks both. Great to talk. Really appreciate it. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy and pioneers of account-based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.